Welcome back to the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast. Today, I'm bringing on a guest that I have been trying to get on my podcast and me to get on hers for so long. We've had scheduling conflicts, and today we are finally doing it. We actually are recording back-to-back episodes, so you can head over to Jill's podcast. So it's Jill Winger from the Prairie Homestead, and listen to the first part of this conversation where we talked about meal planning and how we get healthy food on the table each night maybe without meal planning in some cases. So you can go over to Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast and listen to that episode. But in the episode here on my podcast today, we are going to be talking about raising hardworking kids. So the kind of things that we get our kids involved in, how we get them to help around the house. Jill has three children on her homestead. They get involved in a lot of things. And so she's going to share her advice and what she's learned. We both are not coming from this as experts. We are both just in the thick of it, sharing what has worked and things that we've noticed. So keep that in mind as you join us for this conversation. My name is Lisa, mother of seven and creator of the blog and YouTube channel, Farmhouse on Boone. Join me as I share with you my love for creating a handmade home from scratch cooking and a little mom and entrepreneur life along the way. On here with Jill Winger from the Prairie Homestead and the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. If you're not already following her, which I'm sure that you are, she shares from scratch cooking, her homestead life. They live out on the Wyoming Prairie with lots of cattle and horses, and it's very dreamy and I'm sure quite snowy at this point of the year. It is (laughs) very cold right now. Yes. So we were just actually talking over on her podcast. So if you want to hear the first part of this conversation, even though we're going to be going into a little bit of a different topic over here on my podcast, we talked about meal planning and cooking over on hers. So you can head over to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast and check that out over there. So Jill, tell us about your family and your homestead and what you guys have going on over there. So we live in Southeast Wyoming, Um, like you said, cold and snowy. Pretty low population here because not a lot of people want to deal with the weather. But we have three children, and um, yeah, we bought our homestead in 2008. So we were kind of doing it before it became a thing, and I've been really excited to see the homestead movement take off. Uh, But we have milk cows, chickens, gardens. We also raise a, a herd of like commercial beef cattle that we sell the beef across the U.S. So that's kind of been a new venture and beyond the typical just homestead grow food for yourself dynamic. So we kind of have, yeah, all the full, full-fledged full stuff, home, school, and run home businesses. So really similar to what you and your family do. Yeah. And you share, I, I love listening to your podcast and getting the Thank you. kind of content that you share in the audio form. So that's a really good place to figure out what Jill is all about and to follow along with her family. I also, you also share a little bit on YouTube as well. A little bit. I kind of just sort of ditched YouTube. Like we're, we're starting to upload the video version of the podcast, but I used to do the weekly videos, you know, kind of vlog style. And yeah. I just, I spent some time examining last year, like, what do I really love as far as creation goes? And video just didn't make the cut. I just really struggle. Yeah. I don't, I don't watch videos. And so it just was a slog to produce them. So yeah. I've been taking a break, <laughs> which some people are, are a little, you know, sad that I'm like, where are you? And I'm like, I, I'm producing other places, just not there. So yeah. Yeah. So we are going to talk a little bit about parenting and raising hardworking kids 
this topic is something that I approach with a little bit of hesitation because it can get to where when you say certain things, you're stepping on some people's toes. It's just one of those tricky topics. And I try to mostly steer clear of anything parenting related, homeschool related, because I am not an expert. That's the thing. I want to encourage moms and share what's working for us and in our family. But at the same time, I understand that everybody's in different stages of life and they're in different lifestyles. And so take that disclaimer how you want. But I was reading actually your blog post about this, Jill. You were talking about um, homestead kids and you were saying the same thing. Like this can, this is a topic that I try to tread a little bit lightly on because yeah, yeah, it can't get controversial. It does. Yeah, I don't, somebody the other day, well, I was, I'm working on a new book and so we were talking to different editors and they're like, you could write a book on parenting. I'm like, absolutely not. Never, <laughs> never will. Those people are brave, really brave. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, like you said, there's so many different situations and my kids, my oldest is only 11. So I'm like, to exactly, be determined yeah. how this all turns out. I don't want to be like, <laughs> exactly. I have it so nailed down and then who knows what happens. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're all figuring it out as we go. Well, and I like that humility too, because it that means that you're able to learn and listen to conversations like this and decide, you know, if I should apply this or whatever there's, it's not like I have this all figured out. I feel like we only really have it all figured out when we're pregnant with the first child. Totally. I was (laughs) the poor firstborns. I have thought so many times the firstborn just get the brunt of like all the first time mom neurosis. Yeah, exactly. I know. My my daughter knows that too. She's like, I'm mom's (laughs) guinea pig. I've told her all the things I did wrong. And Yep. And I'm still, I'm sure lots of things that I have blind spots on right now that I'm, I don't have figured out at all, but I know for sure some that I messed up with her. So in your blog post, you were sharing a little bit about your philosophy of gasp, your life, not revolving around your kids and all, yeah. you know, all of that. So can you expound a little bit upon that philosophy? Yes. And just like that whole idea is definitely controversial, especially in our modern culture. We have very child-centered homes, which, you know, it's not all a bad thing. Like there's been times in history where kids were like sent to the sweatshops. We don't want to do that either. You know, we want to preserve childhood and we want to give them opportunities. So it's a fine balance. Like most things in life, I think the truth lies in the gray areas. You can't go black and white. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so in I think the way we parent, it kind of came by accident. I modeled a little bit what my parents did for me, which wasn't like some grand aspiration. They were just kind of doing what their parents did with them. It was really more of that old-fashioned childhood of mom and dad have their adult things, and you guys are kids, and you do your kid things. And so my parents were nurturing and loving, but they were not hyper-focused on us. We were kind of like, and I was homeschooled even, so it was like, do your schoolwork, do your chores, and then you're off, go play, go, go figure out your own life, go figure out how to appease your boredom. So it just felt natural to do that with our children. And it's worked out. It just works out good. It feels right for us. Um, you know, we still give them opportunities. They have, they do 4-H and my oldest has started playing basketball, but for a lot of the time, you know, Christian and I, my husband and I, we still have our own interests and hobbies, which I feel like that's a whole nother topic in modern cultures. It's, I, I know fewer and fewer adults who have their own things. They're all really focused on what their kids are doing. So for us, it's kind of been a natural progression that it's worked out like this. Yeah. And I like how they're fitting into your family's goals that you have set 
you have certain goals and you're giving them a certain level of responsibility, but also belonging. So they have this feeling of belonging to something bigger that they get to be a part of. And I really like that idea. And I think it also does lend itself to them wanting to work and be a part of it. Yes, absolutely. I think kids really want to be a part of the bigger picture. I remember as a child, I relished those moments when I just felt like I had a, a role to play that wasn't just some token role. It was like, I was really doing something important and it felt really good. And I think that's, a lot of kids are like that. And I think we rob them a little bit of that sometimes by always maybe over catering to just always make it like a child-centered environment. Sometimes they want to be thrust into the adventure of a bigger chunk of the world. Right. Yeah. So how do you actually get your kids involved on the homestead? We could actually even start back to whenever your kids were little and you had a newborn. How did you involve, or how did you even homestead at all whenever you had such little kids? Yeah, that's a really common question too. I'm sure you get that a lot as people are like, "Ah, how do I, you know, how do I do this? Yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) So for me, it was, I guess it was a little bit, I I don't know if selfish is the right or wrong term. I was like, I want to do this and I'm not going to let the fact that I have a newborn or a toddler stop me. So I'm like, you get to come with me and you're just going to come. So from like (laughs) literally when they were less than a month old, I would bundle them up and we had a big jogging stroller, with the big tires that could make it over the bumpy ground. And I'd bundle them up and put their blankets over them and we would go out and do chores. And they always were going out with me. And it, it made it feel pretty natural as they got bigger, got to toddler stage or preschool stage. They just, this was part of the routine. And as you know, it slows you down for sure. Like oh, yeah. it is more cumbersome to get out the door <laughs> with all the boots and all the mittens and toddlers are especially challenging because they don't understand that animals are dangerous. You know, don't eat the poop. Don't, you know, don't get in the way of the, the cow coming in the gate. Uh, but we just did it. Like, I didn't have a lot of babysitter support in my life at that time. I didn't have the option of saying, hey, can you come watch my kid while I go out and play in the garden? Like, that was not available to me. So I had to figure it out. And I wasn't going to make excuses of like, I can't garden or I can't have chickens because I have a baby. Like I just, that didn't feel right for me. So it was just kind of dragging them along. And it worked out because the kids were exposed. They got better. They started to learn that I can be patient and I will not die if mom is focused over here for five minutes. Like it's okay. I can, I can be content and I will be secure and safe. And I think that was a really valuable thing. Yeah. Like you said, you just did it. It's amazing what you can get done with kids around whenever you whenever you have no other option but you really want to get that thing done it might be more difficult but you totally can you can bring kids along on so many things that you just wouldn't think you could until you try it like you said going out to do the chores i've milked the cow with a baby in the wrap before <laughs> it's yes. not my favorite yes. thing in the world but it is possible it is something that can be done yep the, the phrase that always went through my head was like, how bad do you want it? Yeah. Like, this is going you know, there's going to be, this is going to be harder than the people who have no children and they just are footloose and francy free. But um, yeah, it, it works. You can make anything work if you want it bad enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I have to remind myself with a lot of different things because there's certain things that I really want. And so I will get them done no matter what, whether there's kids with me or not. But then there's certain things like, I don't have time for that. I have kids. I'm like, wait a minute. You just don't yes. want to do it. <laughs> Yes, I recognize totally. this. Remember the time you did this with kids? So you definitely can do it. I think, well, just one thing to add there. I think it's a little bit of a muscle too. I've noticed that when 
it's kind of funny, even in short periods, like let's say we go stay with my parents for 10 days. They live in Idaho, so we don't see them very often. But when I have that extra help, you know, I have two other adults helping with kids. Like I get used to that really fast. And then when we come home, it feels extra, extra hard to be like, oh, I am the only adult. And now they have to go with me everywhere. And I can't just be like, hey, mom, can you just keep them in the house while I go outside? Like I get accustomed to that so quickly. And I'm not saying it's wrong if you have a lot of family help or, you know, friends who can take your children. That's not that's not wrong. But um, for those of you who don't, the more you do it, the easier it gets. It's like it's like a muscle and the mus- muscle will atrophy if you don't use it. And um, I think it's just part of that, you know, keep on trucking and it gets easier. Well, yeah, I think that's why whenever I had my first born child, getting anything done at all was so difficult. It was like, how am I supposed to take care of this child and take care of the house? And then now I would say even with seven, it's a lot easier just because that muscle has been built. But with that, I will say that my husband's been home with me for almost four years now. And if he ever goes out of town, which happens very rarely, but it has happened, I'm like, how did I ever do this? This is insane. Yes. How did I just do this <laughs> yeah. by myself? Yeah. So yeah, you get used to it or, or you build the muscle one way or the other. So specifically, how do your kids now that they're a little bit older actually help you around your homestead? So, you know, it's been a, a, pro- a progression as they've gotten older and, and have been able to handle more. My oldest is 11. So she runs the majority of the barn. I honestly don't go down to the barn very often anymore unless for just random stuff, um, which is crazy, crazy. But she will, you know, she, we have horses. So she puts them on and off their hay bales. She feeds the cats. She takes care of all the goats. She'll chop ice in the winter when the tanks are frozen. Um, she's really savvy. So if a cow gets out, like I don't worry, we don't have bulls or anything like dangerous here, but you know, cows can be pushy, but she takes her little flag and she, I have full confidence of her handling animals. She closes gates. She's responsible to, you know, make sure things aren't going to get out. Um, my middle child, my son, he's nine. And so he runs the whole chicken coop. Um, and that's eggs. Well, actually, it's food and water now. He's been a little bit more uh, of a challenge to get him consistent. I don't know if that's a boy. Th- I only have one boy. So I don't know if it's a boy thing. If, I don't know if it's just, you know, a different child, different personality. That I had two daughters and then I have, I actually have a girl and a boy the exact same ages as your girl and boy. And um, yeah, it's a lot more of a challenge. So yeah, I don't yes. know. I get two. I don't know if it's a boy thing or personality, but it also happens to be my girl and boy. So I don't know. And I think, I think boys maybe aren't and this is not, you know, there's stereotypes. So it's not like it's true for every single person. No, Boys yeah. are less attentive to detail. And there's something about a firstborn daughter. I've heard people say, if you want the best employee you've ever had, hire a firstborn daughter. Mm, <laughs> there's just something <laughs> about them. They just take high, high levels of responsibility. Okay. So I think there's that dynamic. He's gotten better, but we've had to do a lot more training and work and like, okay, buddy, you didn't finish this. So let's go back down and do it right. That sort of dynamic. Yeah. But he does pretty good. Um, And then my youngest, she's six. I feel like a little embarrassed over this because the others were doing chores a lot sooner. But that with that baby mentality, I kept thinking, well, she's the baby. (laughs) She's not ready for chores. And then I was like, wait, she's five. Mesa was doing half the stuff by the time she was five. (laughs) So when we did give her responsibility, we started last, last summer, she helps with the eggs and takes the chicken scraps out. She loved it. Like she felt so important and she's been doing really well. So yeah, they, they do that. They'll feed the dogs. They will turn waters on and off for me. Um, When we work our commercial herd of cattle, like 
Craig check or do work like we run them through the alleyway and tag them or, you know, give them medicines. Mesa will do all the book work. So she'll sit there with a spreadsheet and track who's had what baby and who has what tag number. So yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) So man, it pays off eventually. It takes a while at the beginning, but it pays off. Yeah. So what did it look like whenever your son maybe was a little bit more resistant? What kind of things did you, did you just have to follow up? Like after you told them to do a certain thing, like go and make sure that that thing's done and then maybe there'd be some kind of consequence or how did it work out that you got him on board with it? Yeah, it's it's been a process and I, I have gotten more frustrated than I wish I would have been. Um, I think with my oldest, I just could always assume that it was done. Yeah. So it has been a little bit of a wake up like, and, and Christian, my husband is always like, you can't just tell him once and expect it to be done. And I'm like, Oh, but I want that to be yeah, yeah. and I'm like but I know that's not how it works so usually with him I've noticed if we don't if we kind of leave him to his own devices for a longer period of time like a month or two and we're not checking in that's when things start to kind of degrade and so it, for us it's a being a little more hands-on like um, he does really well if once a week Christian and I go in there and we like help him fill feeders or just kind of do like a wellness check and just kind of feel like he feels like he's part of the crew versus the lone ranger. He gets more motivated once we do those periodic check-ins. So that's been helpful. Sometimes there are consequences. Like if his, you know, it's clear expectations and it's, you know, clearly ignored or, you know, we're maybe not truthful with what was done. There are consequences then, but for the most part, I think it's us managing it a little better is usually where, you know, when things need to be addressed, that's where it needs to start. Yeah. And ultimately as he gets better, it'll, all of this consistency will pay off. I struggle to want to, you know, the children you have that are more reliable. I want to be like, Hey, do this thing. Cause I'm going to hurry right now. I really don't want to follow through on seeing if it was actually done. And so I know you'll do it, but then going to that one who I'm not so sure that takes the extra effort. That's where I have to actually follow through. And I could have just done it myself, but ultimately I think It'll pay off and just what that'll mean for him. I think sometimes as moms, we feel guilty making kids do uncomfortable things. On your blog post, you were talking about that one of your goals as a parent is not goals, but like you're, you have no qualms about doing things that make your kids uncomfortable. Like they're out with you in the cold, chip in the ice or stack in the wood, even though that's not the most comfortable thing to do. How do you think, or what's your philosophy on this and how will it pay off ultimately for them? Yeah, this is like, this is a really big, I don't know pet peeve is the right word. It really bothers me. I think our culture as a whole, adults included, like we're so scared of being uncomfortable, whether it's uncomfortable in the weather or uncomfortable in um, pursuits or activities, like, and that really can hamstring us as adults. And so, you know, that's been really important for me. I want to give... I think we're humans as humans, we're always going to struggle with that because we're always going to go to the path of least resistance. It's our nature. But I want to give my kids that path and that template that they know. For me, it's like I want to instill how good it feels to push through the hard so they can understand. It's like it's like brain chemicals. It's dopamine. And it's that feeling of accomplishment. I want them to start feeling a taste of that so it's easy for them to duplicate it when they're on their own. So, yeah, we do. I, I expect them to be out with us. Um, in the cold, in the wind, if we're chopping firewood, if we're working cattle, um, obviously the little, the, when they were little, little, I was a little softer well, about yeah, that. Like yeah. they would be in the cab of a truck, you know, when they can't regulate their own temperature and they can't tell you when their toes are cold. Um, 
but kids are tough, man. Like they can handle a lot. Get them some good clothes. Like car. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Maybe we won't go there. Yeah. Um, get them some good like clothes from the feed Solid store and some good coveralls. boots. <laughs> Solid coveralls. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> so, and um, yeah, that, yeah. And I think one of the things I do a lot, and this is, I hear them echoing in this back, which is like the best feeling ever when something's, you know, something sticks is we'll be out. We'll be cold. I'll be miserable because it's windy and it's blowing sawdust in my face and we're stacking firewood. And but like, it's going to feel so good when this job is done. Think about how good mm-hmm. it's going to feel. And think about, we have that soup in the house on the stove and we're going to sit by the fire and eat it together when we're done with this job. And it's going to feel so good. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, that's what I tell myself when I don't want to do something. And so I'm just trying to teach those like coping mechanisms that you can do hard things and it is good to do hard things. Yeah. And think of how much better that hot soup's going to taste whenever it's after a long, hard day of work. And then it, those kind of things come up in life whenever you're writing a book like you are doing or you've done. And there's just so much that goes into it, all of these photo shoots and recipe writing. But then remember what it felt like whenever you published your book yeah. and you got it in the hands of people? Yes. I think it's I think it's a trait that's missing in our modern I think our modern culture has just gotten so soft. I know that's kind of a cliche almost to say that, but it's true. Like we're just you know, there's a lot of good that, that comes from technology and convenience. And I partake in some of it. I have washing machines and dishwashers and you know, I like hot water and showers every night, but there's an element of struggle that we need as humans to grow. Like that's how we build muscle. And that's how we, if we, we never do anything, our bones get weak, our muscles get weak. And I think that is, is true for adults and building that into kids so they can start to recognize that and be very intentional, I think is really important. Yeah. And I think we, we do, we get, sometimes I even feel this tinge of guilt whenever I'm like, will you go do this thing? I'm like, Oh, you know, I could just do it formally, but that's not how it's going to work for them. When they leave this house, I'm not going to be there to do that for them. So we're going to have to get used to working together as a team and there's going to be beautiful rewards on the end of it, but there's also going to be hard and struggle. And, you know, you're always doing the same repetitive tasks over and we're going to do them together. But then after that, we're going to have a really good meal. And one more, one more thought on that. Um, just to teach, I think that work is a good thing. Like there's, I'm around a lot of adults, you know, we have employees and now we have, you know, different businesses that we have the opportunity to hire people. And there's just a marked difference in the people that we've worked with who see work as always being a negative versus like work as being something that brings, can bring meaning and purpose and fulfillment. Like there's all obviously jobs that we all don't like that we all just have to do sometimes. But um, I think work is meant to be good and it can be beautiful and it can be hard, but I want them to know that it's not always something that you're trying to get out of or minimize. Like sometimes leaning into that and choosing a harder project or choosing to take on higher levels of responsibility. Like that's not a bad thing. Yep. I have a friend who always says hard is not the same thing as bad because sometimes we equate the two and they're not, they're, they're just different. So I think it, yeah, to go through a struggle and then yeah, be on the other side of it. It's definitely a valuable lesson. How does this apply with homeschool? So I imagine the same philosophy Mm. that brought you to homesteading and bringing your kids in and teaching them how to be responsible for the barn and the horses probably is the same philosophy that led you into homeschool. Do you feel like that same independent spirit and, you know, going through uncomfortable things is behind that as well? For sure. For both me and the kids, because I mean, there's, I think of quite frequently, there's easier ways to school a child (laughs) than to do it yourself at Um, home, you know, like... (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, 
huh, I really chose the hard yeah. thing here. <laughs> yeah. But there's, you know, lots of reasons why we we continue, as I'm sure is the case for you. But yeah, I think those lessons really have a chance to come to light. You know, even when we're doing math and it's like, I don't want to do math. I'm like, well, here's why we're doing the hard thing. And we show up every day and we put in effort, even when it's not our first choice. And here's how it pays off. So it definitely, there's a, there's a ton of crossover there. And even... I think for me, one of my biggest reasons for homeschooling, there's lots, especially these days, yeah. but the, ha- the ability to have that free time where they can have those extra life lessons is probably one of the biggest driving factors for us homeschooling. I would, it would break my heart if they were in school all day and they missed out on all the projects and like us building a restaurant and us working cattle, like that would make me so sad. So for us, it's, you know, opening up more time in the schedule so they are exposed to those stacking firewood projects or those bigger things that we do so they can be a part of that. Yeah. And then do you find that your kids will take on projects that they come up with themselves and then have the space to do them because of homeschooling? So they'll dream up some idea and then pursue it. Yes. Which is one of my favorite things to see. Like it just makes me so happy. Bridger, my son, the other day he came in and he's like, I'm building a house for the goose. And he had his little tape measure (laughs) on his belt and a saw and a hammer (laughs) and his box of nails. And I'm like, go buddy, go. Like you know, use yeah. all the wood, but <laughs> I love, to come up with, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Don't cut your arm off, but <laughs> yeah. you'll be fine. Um, so I love that, that they have that ability to like, what makes them tick? Who are they? What, what's their passion? I know for me, understanding my passion has been my guiding light through everything. That's what has brought me so much joy and so much success. And ultimately got me to where I am today, just following that little candlelight of passion and seeing where that went. So I want them to be able to start doing that because I think a lot of folks struggle finding that, like what they're supposed to do or what they are interested in. I think that's a a really big hole for a lot of people. Yeah. And homeschooling really does help for that because I always tell my kids, I will get you whatever tool you need. If you come up with an idea, I will go buy the fabric, we'll buy the the wood or whatever tool you need. And then I'm going to let you just go with it. That's kind of our philosophy on it. And I have some that I have to follow through with them so that they actually will, you know, do the next step so they can see the reward at the end. But then I have some who will just be all upstairs all day in the room and then come down with something really awesome. And that, yeah, it's so fulfilling to see that the creative process. I just love it. Were you given that kind of space when you were a kid and did your parents have a lot of responsibilities and teach you hard work? When you look back at growing up? Yeah. I mean, because I was homeschooled, I did have the, the space, which is really why I'm so, I was so passionate about homeschooling my kids. You know, we would get done by lunch every day, even in high school, I got done by lunch. And so we didn't live in the country. We lived in a, like a housing development, but in those afternoons, man, we were running outside, we were playing in the snow. I created so much as a kid, like just created and had so many projects and so many interests that I don't think I would have been able to have that. I know I wouldn't have been able to have it without homeschooling. And the other part of that is I was a really awkward, I'm still kind of awkward, but I was like super awkward as a high schooler and an elementary school kid. And I didn't relate well to a lot of the other girls in our area. And so like having those projects, um, eventually it was like, I got my horse and I was able to go shadow vets and shadow horse trainers and, you know, go watch different procedures that was my saving grace. And I don't know if I had been stuck in the public school situation. I think I would have really struggled because I would have been stuck with a bunch of people that didn't really like me and I wouldn't have been able to have those passions. So 
it was everything. Like it, I even started a blog when I was 15 and learned how to Did code really? HTML. <laughs> yeah. And this oh, long wow. gone, thank goodness. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> who would have thought I ended up, you know, that's my career now. And it started because yeah. I had free afternoons as a, as a homeschool kid. Right. No, that, that is my number one philosophy behind homeschool. I always am telling my kids that I'm like, I didn't really discover that interest until I was in my twenties. I learned how to sew and I was like, this is amazing. I want to spend 12 hours a day sewing and I would stay up super late. And then I was like, wow, baking bread is awesome. Making sourdough. But I didn't discover any of that until I actually already had kids because I had space. I was just home and a little bit yeah. bored because I didn't really have a whole lot going on. And so I, I love that right now. One of my kids, she really wants to start an Etsy shop and she wants to sew things and sell them. And I'm like, here's the thing. I don't want you wasting all of your time sewing widgets. And selling them. Like, yeah, that's, that's okay if you needed to, but you don't. And yes. so right now, sew the thing once cool and then move on to something else, but keep trying and exploring different things and yes. finding, you know, your passions and what you're good at. Yeah. I, I think people, even if they are like, even if your kids are in public school, you can still make space for that. I, I think it's, it's can be, it can still be done. I think sometimes there's so many extracurriculars. I know even now as my kids get older, we're having to say, okay, pick one thing that we're going to focus on like basketball. And then we, we're going to have to say no to softball and ice skating and archery. Like we're going to have to be yes, strategic because yeah. I'm trying to protect that spare time. Yes. But I think, you know, public school, as long as you're able to manage extracurriculars and make sure there's still weekends and weeknights that are available yeah, exactly. for pursuing, I think it can be done. Oh, I completely agree. There, there could be, as long as there's not too much homework, <laughs> you know, as long as yeah, there is the homework unstructured time, because same thing with my kids, they, my two oldest have found a passion for gymnastics and that's mm. fine. And we take them, but they wanted to start picking up the second slot. So they have, they can, they can go for eight hours a week. And I'm like, no, it's just, you don't need to be doing anything for eight hours right now. You need to yeah. learn and explore other things that you might find. I, I don't see anything wrong with gymnastics, obviously, because they do gymnastics, yes. but just the amount of time I want them to have plenty of space to explore yes. so many things, work on things. And another thing I had on my list here was learning how to fail at the things that they work hard on. So sometimes, have you noticed that with your kids, they'll try something and then it'll be a complete colossal failure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's hard. Like I am type A-ish and I have experienced success at a number of venues in my life. And so I like to do things well. And so it's hard. It's always a balance for me to not intervene. Like there's a time and place to intervene for sure. But just to say strategically, nope, we're going to let this just be. I can see how this isn't going to work, but we're going to let you just try it. (laughs) And and even like with our 4-H projects, Mace has been doing a steer, which is super competitive. And there's a, there's a lot to learn with the steer showing. (laughs) I always did that as a kid too. Did you? Oh yeah. Yeah, It's like, I I didn't do steers. I did horses. And I'm like, this is hard, but (laughs) We're still learning. Like, I don't know if we could even be competitive if I, if I, try, if I tried, because it's a lot to learn. But we're, like, using our home-raised steer versus, like, buying a, a show, show steer. steer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, my, we didn't so, do it either. We, we just had regular steers. We never got the grade. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm watching, like, there's a lot of parents who are spending, like, the parents become as more interested in the steers than the kids. Yeah. And they're spending, like, weekend after weekend hauling all over and getting professionals and I'm like, I don't, I don't feel called to do that. And I'm going to let Mesa, we're going to help her and give her resources, but she's going to have to figure this out. And so she's got her butt kicked at every single fair she's been at. Like we've done our best and we've tried and we've gotten better every year, but 
she gets in and she gets bottom of the class. And like, you know, as a mom, you're like, oh, but it's good. Cause yeah, it is. You learn from being at the bottom and you learn how to get better. And it's, it's building that fire in her to like, okay, yep. I completely sucked at that class. How can I get better? Who can I ask for help? And so it's hard, but it's, it teaches, I think failure teaches just as much, if not more than being on the top of the heap all the time. Yeah, that's, that's totally true. Cause not everything you're, you're going to try, you know, if you're going to be pursuing something is going to work out and might as well learn that as a kid. So are there any books you recommend? I had this on my list too. Like you asked me about cookbooks. <laughs> I had the same yes. thing. Um, yeah, I think a book that like changed my perspective so much is, well, it, he's a couple. The author is John Taylor Gatto. And mm, yep. my favorite one is Weapons of Mass Instruction. And then he has another one called Dumbing Us Down, which mm-hmm. is kind of like yeah. an overview of multiple works of his. Yeah, he is, It's so good just how he speaks to letting kids have free time, letting them um, experience the world outside of the industrial system. So I that, adore him. I also really like the Wild and Free book. I don't like, I haven't gone to their conferences or anything. It's like, that's a homeschooling book for those of you who haven't heard of it. Okay. Um, but her perspective of homeschooling is just, it was very life giving to me and very freeing. So we tried the super duper classical model, which I know a lot of people love and it felt very like stifling for me. And so I was feeling frustrated and I found wild and free right after that period. And it was just a breath of fresh air. And then, um, I'm reading right now, free to learn by Peter Gray. Okay. He talks, he's kind of a little bit more in the unschooling realm, which I'm not, we're not really unschoolers, but I like a lot of his thoughts. So those would be my, my top recommendations. Yeah. Well, we actually read John Taylor Gatto too. Um, actually, I think I read one of his books. Luke definitely read one of his books um, and told me a lot about it. I'm not a huge reader. Jill. Yeah. I know that you read like, I don't know, five books a month or something like that. I read like. Try. I'm trying. Okay. I read <laughs> trying. one book a year at the most. So yeah. But Luke's a big reader and he gets sometimes gives me the cliff notes and I will listen to podcasts or videos in favor of that. So I'll, I will listen to the same philosophy along those lines, but on like podcast form. But um, yeah, dumbing us down made a huge impact on our decision to homeschool, which we, we, we decided before we even had kids um, that we were when I was pregnant that that's what we wanted to do just to learn that the to not go too far into it, but that the education model wasn't really designed for a day and age like like we have today. Yes. And so there's, yes. there, we need, this is turning into more than just hardworking, but like creativity. And we need people who know how to solve interesting problems and experiment and fail and then learn how to overcome that. And I think that philosophy is behind a lot of, a lot of what we're trying to convey here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think understanding for me, at least understanding how a lot of these systems came to be mm-hmm. gives me a lot more confidence to move forward. Because it's, it's hard to be the weirdo sometimes. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you've experienced <laughs> yes. this. Like, you know, you eat weird, you school yes. your kids weird, you have a cow, that's weird. Like yep. you work at home, that's weird. And so sometimes it's exhausting yeah. to always feel this like silent judgment from people. So to under, like for us, I've always known homeschooling was right for us, but to know, Hey, the system, which has been kind of marketed as like the only way is a pretty modern construct. This has not been around all that long. So for me, that was very confidence boosting to know, hey, I can opt out of this. It's not as much of a, a pillar of society as we've been led to believe. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's always, society's always functioned this way. This is how it's always been. Really not mm-hmm. maybe just in the last, 
yeah, I forget, 100 yeah. years or something like that. Do you have like a chore chart? Are there just certain flows that you have with all of this? Yeah, I would say kind of like our menu planning discussion. Yes. <laughs> I've always wanted to have like the really fancy chore yes. chart. And I've tried it and I've printed them off and then I will do it. And I'm like, ugh. So our, our routine is they have their little tasks in the house. And of course, they're always responsible for their rooms and, and things like that. So they do barn chores. They eat breakfast and then we do house chores before we start school. And so we kind of have just a rotating list. Usually it's the same things that need done and they just will each do one task. This is a, this is, this is bad, but this is my little trick for making sure that those get done and I don't get sidetracked and they are self-motivated to remember. My kids love gum. Like you can get like (laughs) sugar-free gum and that's like a big treat. And so the rule is, is you can't have a piece of gum until you have all your morning chores done you know, before we start school, you're allowed to have a piece of gum for the day. So that they, they remind me, like, oh, what's my chore? Yeah. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to do my chore now, and then I can have my gum. So that's worked out really well. And that has created consistency that I probably would have struggled well, okay, with. If all it takes was gum to create that kind of consistency, I think yep. that, that could sum up the whole episode, <laughs> gum. just gum. Because <laughs> there yeah. is something, gum. sometimes you do <laughs> need, like, an incentive. And I feel like that might actually work for my kids, too, because yeah. they love gum, and we never have it. So, yeah. Maybe you could chew yeah. on gum during it's, your, there's something during your homeschool lessons. That has been a slight, like there's times when they're like, like you sound like you're chewing right. your cud. Oh my gosh, stop. <laughs> so there is that, that side effect to keep in mind, but it, yeah. it's worth it. Well, I find too that with the chore chart thing, and this is, this is totally in line with our meal planning thing, just like with seasonal food, with, with the chores, they're rotating. Like today, one of the little kids dumped out a whole thing of blocks. And so that's not on the list every day, but hey, eight-year-old, can you please help the two-year-old pick up the box? Like, there's not, yes. I don't feel like life's as neat and pretty as that to be able to put it in a box because sometimes there's this and sometimes yeah. there's this and sometimes it's summer and we have this certain chore that we don't have, you know, in the winter or vice versa. And so being able to have more of a flow and a routine than a rigid thing, I think really helps you be more flexible because it's not so pretty as that that there's always a certain task. Yeah. You know, 100%. Like, yeah, like cleaning up dog poop is one of our chores, but right now all the dog poop's frozen yes. covered in <laughs> yeah. snow. So like we're yeah, substituting. Exactly. I can't put it on that's the pretty what I meant when I said so, certain yeah, tasks in the winter and the summer. I just didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly all of what our meant. dog poop is currently poop. under about eight inches of snow, which we don't get a ton of snow, but we have it right now. So super fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, for those who don't know, which I'm sure they mostly do, but tell us where they can best follow along with you and all that you're doing, what you have to offer. Yeah. So kind of my hub of everything, because we have a lot of different little avenues, is theprairiehomestead.com. There's blog posts and links to the YouTube channel and the podcast over there, which is called Old Fashioned On Purpose. And if you want to follow me over on Instagram, which is kind of where I'm most active, it's jill.winger. So it's pretty yeah, easy. Yeah. Remember. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and all that you've learned over the last 11 years of being a mom and plenty more learning to be done. But thank you so much for sharing with us here. My pleasure. This was super fun. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast. Make sure to go check out the other part of that conversation over on Jill's podcast, the old fashioned on purpose podcast. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode of the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast.